Hello, and welcome to Pinot and Perfume. I am your host, Sarah Chacon. Tonight, I am drinking a Pinot Noir from a winery called Underwood. They're from Oregon. I threw away the bottle, so, you know, Google it if you want to know more about it. I mean, I don't, I don't pretend to be a wine expert. I just, I, if it tastes good, I'm drinking it. And I've actually had this bottle open for a while, and I'm surprised it doesn't taste like vinegar. Or maybe it does. My palate's so shot from drinking shitty wine that I just don't know. I don't know. But uh, also, before that, I drank a Polliner Oktoberfest because it is fall and all that beer is out. And I went to Costco last night, and you better believe I got like a 60-pack of that. No, it wasn't 60, but you know, you know those membership clubs where you buy like 35 pounds of something that you don't need, or maybe you do need it, but you don't need that much of it, but you you just buy it because it's a good deal in quotes, and then, you know, you're when you get home and you have a sleep and you wake up and you're like, why the fuck did I buy 25 pounds worth of apples? which I didn't. I almost bought, they had a big sack of Red Delicious apples, and I, I love Red Delicious apples, but it was 10 pounds, and I was had to have a heart-to-heart to myself and be like, hmm, if I were to buy these, would I eat them all before they went bad? And the answer to that was no. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't need 10 pounds of Red Delicious apples. So I went for the five-pound Honeycrisp apples and segs. I could probably polish those off in a reasonable amount of time, although they smell super ripe right now, so I need to, I need to get to chomping before those bad boys go bad. Um, so anyway, that's that. Uh, Costco is one of those places, and I tease my husband all the time when he's home because he always wants to go to Costco and like walk around and be in it and like get absorbed into its aura and just like breathe its air molecules and just enjoy the experience of being at Costco. I like it too, but sometimes like the one near me is very, very crowded and part of me just screams internally the whole entire time because it's parking's a nightmare, dealing with the crowds are a nightmare, you know, especially checkout because everybody's there buying the same amount of shit on top of stuff you don't need because when you go into Costco, you get sucked in. And my husband's like that. And I make fun of him because every time we go, we end up spending like hundreds of dollars and half of that ish stuff we don't need. I did that yesterday. Still haven't sent him the receipt. It's not bad. It's on par. It's it's less than what we, the damage we do when we're together because I like to think I am the voice of sanity in this relationship when it comes to Costco. Um, but last time he was home, we made like two trips and spent $300 each trip. And like, I think the trips were maybe a month apart. It was, it was excessive. We also bought out like a lot of the liquor store part of it. Um, a lot of liquor because he had just gotten one of those Southwest credit cards and he was trying to meet the spending minimum and he wants to get a companion pass so he can take me on trips, which I'm not going to stop him from doing because, you know. Mama needs to get out sometimes and, and uh, wants to travel on the cheap. So that's that. But anyway, last night I went in and I did the same damn thing. I was like, I had my list, had it all written out. And what did I do? I was like, what do they have in the beer? And then I saw the Polliner Oktoberfest and I was like, official beer of Germany or official beer of whatever? Yes, please. And so I loaded that up. And then right next to it was an advent calendar for beer. And so I was like, okay, definitely want to get that. And then I... um. I told my husband, I was like, yeah, it's something we can share. It's like a nice little surprise for you and, and something we can share. Um, 
try and soften the blow. No, it, it, I was I was thinking of him the whole time because I saw that and I was like, he would really like that. And we could split it and it would be great. Have like a different German beer each each day in December, um, provided he doesn't get tempted and just polish the whole thing off while I'm at work. Um, he does come back mid-November and he threatened to do that. Uh, and I wouldn't put it past him. You know, come home from work, see the remnants of the cardboard box just strewn about. And he's like patting, like passing on the couch, surrounded by empty beer cans, snoring, and then waking up and regretting his life's choices because German beers probably get some rot get from him. I mean, I love them, but now I'm thinking of sours. Sours are more likely to get, I feel like, rot gut. And I mean, because I'm pretty sure he has. I'm pretty sure we both have had rot gut when we were in Brussels drinking all those lambics and sours. But anyway, that was Costco. I think I bought some other shit. I was like, oh, yeah, snacks. Like they had those like Sargento balanced breaks where it's like cheese and nuts and, and like little trays like that. And I was like, yep, I can do that. Those harvest snap crisps, which I could eat like a, I can eat one bag an entire sitting. Those things are so fucking good. I got I got one of those and I did stick to my, my list, you know, got some chicken, some fish, debated it on whether or not to get the lump crab. It was $21 for a tub, and I almost started taking out my phone and started Googling recipes for lump crab to try and justify getting it, but then I stopped myself. So I'm proud of that moment of self-control. So yeah, but the one thing that pissed me off in Costco, and this happened to me last year, was it's October, what is today? October 25th. So yesterday, the 24th is when I went, Um, and there's no Halloween stuff. It's all Christmas. It's like Christmas threw up in there. And this happened to me last year because last year in September, my husband and I went to Costco and I saw a really pretty Halloween wreath. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast. If I have, just skip skip forward to past this part. I don't know. Or just listen to it. I don't, you know, whatever. You do you. But anyway, I saw this really nice Halloween wreath. It was super cute. And I was, and it was like September the 15th. It was like mid-September, really early. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to come back next month and get it when it's closer to Halloween. I went back next, in, in October, like mid-October. There was like one, one like rack of shitty Halloween costumes. And that was it. The rest was Christmas. And, I, and the wreath was nowhere to be found. So this year, I hedged my bets. I was like, I'm going to get this goddamn wreath. So I went back in this set list last September. I went into Costco. They didn't have the wreath. Even in, even in September, their Halloween section left something to be desired. They had like a couple, like one like weird skeleton, um, decoration for your yard, which I briefly t- thought about buying. But then I was like, I don't have any place to put, you know, the skeleton dude. So I didn't, um, they had a couple of racks of like shitty one rack of shitty Halloween costumes and one rack of shitty children's costumes and that was it then there was the Christmas was starting to trickle in which I was like whoa this is crazy September and so I don't know why I was so enraged to not see any Halloween stuff um I knew it was gonna happen again but I still was and I feel like every year stores are so quick with to put out the Christmas shit. It gets earlier and earlier. And it drives me crazy. Especially because Halloween is my favorite holiday. A. It's October is my favorite month. Because it's it's my birthday. I was born on October 30th. Day before Halloween. Wish me happy birthday. Thank you very much. And so it's. I always had that. That you know connotation. And then so growing up I would have like Halloween themed parties. And I loved it. It was so much fun. 
You get to dress up as somebody else for a night. You get to binge out on candy. When you get older, you get to still eat candy, watch scary movies, or if you're like me, you don't like slash movies because you pass out from the gore. You know, you you flirt with them a little bit. Like you watch movies that aren't really that bad that are more psychological, like The Exorcist um, and Insidious. Although I didn't, I didn't think Insidious was all that great. Probably unpopular opinion because most people that I talked to were were like. Um, they thought it was super scary. I actually watched it for the first time. I thought I might have watched it when I was dating my husband, but it was like early days. And so we, we could have been making out because I don't remember anything from that movie. But I think that was a conjuring, not insidious. I don't think I've ever seen insidious. So I watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago, less than impressed. The dad was a cuck. I mean, he's a teacher. And shit starts getting weird in the house with you know the spooks and his wife is there all day like wrangling three kids and he's like oh I've got to work late and grade papers and he's coming home at like at 10 30 and 11 it's like okay dude to avoid to avoid dealing with his ghost situation I'm like okay listen you're like a middle school geography teacher your job is not that demanding, not in the sense that you have to, in terms of like working late, I don't want to, I'm not trying to de- to demean teachers, you guys educate the future, and you put up with a lot of shit, props to you, because I couldn't do it, What? but when I'm talking about a demanding, I mean like, like something like you always have, you're stuck at the office working until like all hours of the night, because you got a deadline, you know, something like in, like advertising can be like that, investment baking, I'm sure it can be like that, I feel like teaching Like, yes, you do bring work home with you, but I don't know. It strikes me as one of those professions that you're not stuck at the office all day. You do have the option of coming home. Maybe that's just me. Maybe, you know, again, I could be, like I said, I'm not a teacher. I want to clarify that. Not a teacher. Not trying to demean teachers. But if he had like a, like if he had an office job of some sort or was like, like I said, an investment banker, you know, even if he worked retail where you work like off like late hours I could see that or if he like petitioned to for more hours you know let's say he worked at Best Buy and he was like whoa listen um I gotta get more hours of OT to afford this house you know he could have that would have been more believable than like coming home at 10 30 11 o'clock at night from his teaching job and if I was his wife I would just make a deal with the with the poltergeists or with the spirits and be like listen my husband's a cuck. He doesn't help me with these goddamn kids. He's coming home late at night because he doesn't want to d- deal with you. You can have him because I'm doing this shit on my own anyway, you know, because he's really not a help. And then uh, then what makes me so aggravated is like at the end, he saves the day. He's an absentee father and husband the whole entire time. But because he can astral project, he like saves a day, you know, fuck him. Sorry, I got real wet riled up and there might have been some spoilers, so sorry. But anyway, yeah, fuck that movie. That was terrible. I think I'm going to try and watch The Conjuring again because it was good from what I remember. Um, I think I was making out with my husband through part of it because, again, that was early days when we were dating and we were in that stage. I think we also had to pause it because <laughs> he got scared. <laughs> I'm totally blowing up his spot right now. But yeah, he got, he got, he got scared, so we had to pause it at some point. And I think we resumed it or we might have just kept it paused and, and did something else. I don't remember. But yeah, so I want to watch it again unencumbered and see if it was as good as I remember. But yeah, like nothing. But it's it's a fun like October is a fun month and it's a month that you can like Halloween is, is a holiday that you can just 
truly indulge and relish in and you don't have the Christian guilt of Christmas and where you have to, you know, remember Jesus is the reason for the season and like not get too excited about all of the non-Christian aspects of Christmas. Um, and then you don't have the guilt of like Thanksgiving and not wanting to hang out with your family. Like you, you have Halloween, it's acceptable to binge on candy, acceptable to dress up and behave like a completely different person or place or thing or animal or cartoon character or whatever. And it's just, and, and, and it's just fun. Like spooky times are fun, man. Like you have the fun decorations, you have like fun movies to watch. And so people trying to gloss over it, it makes me, it, it gets me enraged, it gets me enraged the same amount of rage that I, that I feel when I listen to an Elvis Costello song because I hate Elvis Costello. So yeah. Um, and this time I always have my favorite movies to watch. One of which is Practical Magic. And it's not like a Halloween movie per se, but it's about some witches, Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. It's kind of more of like a romantic drama type of situation, but it's fun. It does have some Halloween elements in it. And it makes me wish I really would have taken up witchcraft. I briefly considered it like a week ago and I'm just going to chalk it up to it being more of like a misplaced goth phase. You know, I should have gone through this phase at 13 years old instead of 35, almost 36. Reminder, birthday's 1030. Wish me happy birthday. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Um, But because of, but I was robbed of an amazingly awkward goth phase uh, by evangelical Christianity. I remember I was like, Fourth grade, fifth grade, I was getting to the scary books. I was reading R.L. Stein, his Fear Street books, um, which I don't know why people kept moving to this damn street. It's like this haunted street. It was, a, I guess they were considered young adult books. They starred teenagers and um, they were always battling with somebody trying to murder them, some ghost. It was they, the couple of times it got kind of gross. I remember the the cheerleader series. It was like the evil cheer, the first, I don't know, it was, one of them was like the evil cheer and like the first cheer maybe and the second cheer and the third cheer and then there was the evil cheer. I don't know, I could be getting that all fucked up, but if you read those books, if you were, if you grew up in the 90s, you probably know the books that I'm talking about and there was one description and if I were to read it back now, it probably wouldn't be that bad. I think like they were in cheer practice and they shot up some girl. She was doing a toe touch or whatever. They were, she was doing a, a, a trick. And I know that's, they're not called tricks, but whatever they're called. And I think she like, they didn't catch her and she fell. And it was part of this evil cheer. Like they, they didn't catch her and she fell and she like hit her tooth on the bleacher or something. And the way it was describing the blood coming down and like her tooth all sticking through her, her mouth or out the side of her face. It was just, it made me woozy and I had to put the book down briefly and just like lie down. But I loved, I loved it. And so I was kind of, so I was branching off from that. My parents got me um, a Ouija board for my birthday one year or it was fifth grade. So that year. And kind of boring, not going to lie. I, we, my mom played with it uh, with me a couple times. My sister, I had some friends over. Very, very boring. And so, you know, that would have progressed. I feel like had that been nurtured even more, I could have really gotten some good stories from that time period of when I was a goth. But my grandma had to go and die. And we ended up moving into her house. And so I started sixth grade in in Perry, Florida, small town, small religious town, primarily Baptist, evangelical Christians, 
people did not celebrate Halloween, so it made it kind of rough for the people who did, aka me and my family. Um, other people did too, but most most of them, most of the population at the time were Baptist or some sort of evangelical Christian, so they didn't they didn't do trick or treats. And so anyway, I got. I got involved with that because my my mom probably thought I think she was trying to 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 nip it in the bud. I think she figured that with my grandma's death, it was like the first death my sister and I like witnessed of a loved one, and I th- I think my mom's thought process was we're gonna start to have questions about mortality and you know what happens when you die. And so I think she just wanted to like get us in early. Oh, and I made great friends. I'm still friends with the with people that I, I met in, you know, youth group and stuff. But that started a decades long Christian guilt. And so like, ranging from everything from like music, to the little stories I wrote, I wrote some really amazing and by amazing, I mean, bad, like I would to go back and read some of these scary stories I wrote when I was like in fourth and fifth grade. It's so funny because I have no concept of time. Like there's one story that I still have where this girl is right. So the premise of this, her name is Catherine because I was also very into Victorian stuff. Um, and so Catherine just seemed like a very elegant name to me. And I think her parents are murdered and she witnesses it, which is kind of heavy for somebody like in fifth grade to write about, but whatever. Um, and there was, and I guess she like runs away from the murder. And I guess there's one part where she's running and because I had no concept of time, I have her running for like 24 hours straight. And then she finally gets tired at like seven o'clock that night. So it's, it's very, very funny, um, reading it back and seeing all that. And I had one story and I think it was a trilogy. I think it was like a shitty trilogy that I wrote. I don't even remember what it was about, but I remember right like one of the characters her lips were on fire from like the ghost made her lips go on fire and then it stopped like whatever like it that was one part of it and then there was some other shit going on I don't know if somebody's hair caught on fire or somebody's skin started falling off it was very and I don't know what they were doing to make it if it was just like the ghost just showing its power and then it just stopped all of a sudden and I'm sh- and I I remember after I when I got really deep into the Baptist church I think I shredded that story because I felt so ashamed that I had written something so violent and wicked. And I'm sure now if I would have, I wish I would have kept it because I bet that's hilarious to read that shit now because it's probably terrible. I know it'd be terrible and it's probably not even all that gory and gruesome. But um, yeah, anyway, the the point of that story was the Baptists robbed me of a goth phase and I have not gotten over that. That's where we're going with that. Um, so yeah, Halloween. Love it. My birthday. Again, on October 30th. Wish me a happy birthday. Thank you. Um, love this time of year. Love the fall. Love the spooky times. Lo- uh, slightly regret not having a goth phase. So with all of that, um, let's go into Sin of the Week. Okay, so scent of the week this week is SJPNYC. Uh, this is a fragrance by Sarah Jessica Parker. It came out in 2010, according to Base Notes, 2009, according to Parfumo, my trusty app that I have not used in a hot minute. Um, I remember I first smelled this, my sister got it. And um, my sister likes perfume. She's not as into them as I am, but she's got a little, a nice little collection. And 
excuse me, <laughs> this wine. Um, and she and she wore it and it smelled really good on her. And so she told me what it was. And I went to Walmart and bought it. Um, so that should tell you right now, this is an affordable fragrance. It retails um, on, see, I got it pulled up now. You can get it on FragranceNet for $13.85, Walmart.com for $22. Bucks. Like it, Groupon's got it for $19.99. You don't have to, it's not going to spend a lot of money, but um, I quite like it. Now, this is seems to be a polarizing scent. Um, let me go into the, uh, the notes. So I'm going off of the Parfumo app. And so for the scent, at the top notes, you got Mandarin, Osmanthus, which I don't know what that is, and Wild Strawberry. In the middle, you've got Gardenia, Honeysuckle, and Mimosa. And on the bottom, you've got Musk, Rum, and Sandalwood. I would say it's very sweet if you don't like, and it's very strawberry forward. So if you don't like very sweet fragrances um, and very sweet fruity fragrances, this probably is not the one for you. Um, this is, I've heard of it referred to as like drunk strawberry, and I would agree. It's very, uh, you get the, you get like a boozy strawberry, which I, like I said, I like it. Um I did get this some time ago, and uh, how much do I have left? I've got maybe a core third of it left, so I have put a dent in it, but it's not where I want it to be. This is one of those scents I'm trying to pan, not because I hate it, but because I've had it for a long time, and I'm kind of, I probably wouldn't buy it knowing what I like today and how my tastes have changed today. You know, in today's time and place in my age, I probably won't buy, I, you know, I probably won't repurchase um, again. But it, when you first spray it, it is quite strong. It does settle down. And let me see, I smelled it. I, I sprayed it. So I totally forgot myself. And instead of wearing this all day to do a true wear test, I put on uh, Terry Mugler's Alien because I'm really feeling that fragrance right now. Um, but anyway, I wore, I spritzed it on like my, my forearms just before I started recording. And I definitely get the rum, the strawberry, and the musk. That's what comes out on me. Like I said, I'm not mad about it. It's, I, I think it's nice. Um, it does, it has a pretty decent staying power from what I remember from wearing it. I do think at the end of the night, you might have to do just a touch up. This is an eau de toilette, by the way. Um, and for an eau de toilette, it does have a good performance. Uh, Siage. The trail that the scent trail that you leave behind when you walk. I mean, unless you load load yourself down with it, which I don't recommend doing, it's probably not going to be that much of a trail. Um, but I think for the longevity, and uh, you know, I think it this is not bad for the price you get. Um, the bottle is very garish and tacky, so if you're somebody who likes, who cares about that, you know, might that might turn you off. It is a bit cheap. I will say that. I mean, the, the price point, duh. But I think when this first debuted, like people were buying it in department stores and stuff, which I can see, like, like I said, I got this at Walmart. So for me, the bottle didn't stand out that much as being cheap. You know, you know, I got it from Walmart, you have certain expectations. But if I were getting this from Macy's, or from a Neiman Marcus, or like a high end department store, I would definitely side eye this bottle because it's plastic. It looks like it's got just a decal of different prints that don't really go together. I think the idea behind it was to inspire whimsy 
like her character on Sex and the City, Carrie Bradshaw. And it's supposed to smell like, I guess, give off the aura of New York City, which again, I don't get because when I think of New York City, I don't think of strawberries in, in terms of scent. I imagine that it smells like trash, urine, and uh, bagels. I don't know. I just, it doesn't, I don't get fruity freshness when I think of uh, New York City. Sorry, New Yorkers. I'm sure you would probably agree that, you know, unless you're walking like in Central Park or you have a plant in your apartment that you, it's, you walk down a street of New York and you're not going to get like springtime realness, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't think, I think that's where it falls short, but if you like a, if you like sweet fra- uh, fragrances that are that are fruity, I don't get a lot of the floral to be honest. Um, this allegedly does have some, but again, I don't get that on me. But I would say if you like sweet boozy fragrances, then definitely give this a try. Um, like I said, for the amount of money it is, even if you don't like it, you could probably resell it or just give it away, and you're not going to be out a lot of dollars. Um, excuse me, if you're, if you're curious about trying this, if you've, ne- if you've never done it, you can get it really cheap. But just to give you kind of a, a taste of just how polarizing the scent is, I've got base notes pulled up and this has a three rating on average. I mean, it's based on 28 votes, so take that for what it's worth. But you have one that's kind of like, eh, they say it's sickeningly sweet, like so many fragrances on the market today. Um, this is definitely a review that's also on Parfumo. So I don't know if Parfumo sourced this from Base Notes or if this person just went to both places and reviewed it. Um, they describe it as sugary strawberry syrup drizzled over vanilla ice cream. Which I would agree. Again, that'll give you some kind of indication of how sweet this is. Um, and she's, this person says, I have no clue why they called this fragrance New York City. Haven't been there, of course. However, I don't believe it smells like a candy store. Um, DKNY for women is a much more realistic interpretation of NYC's wet cement and smog. Again, I, I agree with this. I don't think, when I think of New York City, I don't think of candy store. I don't think of strawberry booze. Um, so that's one. You have one that loves it. Um, they say the opening is lovely. The low notes are warm. The mid notes are just okay. Overall, it's really nice. Um, Let's see. Yeah, she said that um, she spritzed it, and on the surface, it was it was very strong. By the time she went to bed, the scent faded to where she wanted it to be. Um, catch a whiff in the breeze, and just in close contact, which is true. And she bought the set, which had the body wash and lotion and the toilet spray. And I think she did all those together, and it was very strong at first. And then once it settled down, she was good. Which again, even with just toilet spray. I got that too. You smell it and it's like, whoa. And then or you spray it at first and it's like, it needs to calm down. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and so someone else who really loves it said, I found a winner and this is rare because I'm quite picky. Um, she's like, for me, it does have a lasting power of three to six hours. I would agree with that. I have been complimented on the scent. I don't like to wear heavy scents, so it took a hug to be complimented, which is a good thing. Again, it's the sillage is not going to be crazy on this. It's kind of a close-to-the-skin scent, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. I can – it's one of those things where it's like if as long as I'm picking up whiffs of it throughout the day, that instantly boosts my mood, and I'm happy. If I can wear, if I can wear what I'm wearing – if I can smell what I'm wearing, then I'm fine. 
Um, she says, uh, she thinks it's, this person thinks it's suitable for anything, uh, daring to do so. And if you love sweet notes, eccentric mixtures and the scent of wild strawberries blowing in the wind with the fresh bouquet of roses. That is what, how she describes this. Um, somebody else calls it harshly sweet and not something I would expect coming from such a fashion forward celebrity. Uh, someone says they would rather eat strawberries than wear them. And NYC seems like a fragrance created for a child's pretend makeup and perfume set. I can see that again. I, I like it. I mean, I like, would I buy it now? Like if I never own this fragrance, would I go out and buy it now? No, but for the time in my life that I did buy it and even wearing it now, I will, I do plan to use it up. I enjoy it. It is something, I mean, it's not different. Like, it, it smells pretty generic, but I don't know. It's sweet and it's fun and it's not, it's not terrible. So, again, if you're looking for something that doesn't break the bank, but that's got, that lasts a fairly decent amount of time and you don't mind it being sweet and fruity, definitely check this out. You can get a lot of spots on Amazon. I mean, online. <laughs> More retailers than just Amazon out there. Uh, but that just goes to show you the power of Amazon. Um but yeah, it's not bad. Um, yeah, definitely give it a whirl. Fragrance in the week. This week I have two stories because most of them were kind of, most everything that was turning up was you run of the mill, somebody's releasing a new fragrance, blah, blah, blah. I tried to look up Halloween perfume and Halloween fragrance and uh, one, uh, nothing came up. One story kept popping up on both and it was called Versace's new luxury fragrance line is like a Jennifer Lopez grown in a bottle which I'm all about JLo so I was intrigued and I clicked on it and it was the most boring story just about some new high-end perfumes that Versace's coming out with and they're retailing for $330 so I passed on that one google it if you're interested I land, but I landed on two that are quite interesting the first one is from The Observer and it's called and I, I'm gonna fuck this name up probably royally uh so bear with me but it's called Anika Yi releases a perfume line evoking the sense of history making woman women now Anika Yi is an artist and I don't know if her medium is smell from how this story is worded it sounds like it or if she does smell and also companion like paintings or sculptures so as people walk through the art gallery and smell her smells they're also looking at something um that did was not clear but apparently according to this article she specializes uh, she has used ingredients such as the bacteria of 100 female artists gross powdered milk will gag me and the tissue of carpenter ants just stab me um and they're all According to this article, quote, artfully employed to explore notions of consciousness and the potential of life forms, end quote. Um, and it says her scents typically waft freely through galleries. So that's where I'm coming. I'm, I don't know if there are, like I said, if she has these scents that she mix up, mixes up and then she also does companion visual pieces. I don't know. But apparently she's uh, creating three scents in her new biology collection that you can buy. Um, they are in 10 milliliter vials, so essentially a sample, and they're encased in a, looks like a resin, a resin, a clear resin case with some insects in them, so I, you're going to be paying for packaging, that's all I'm going to say if you're going to buy these. Um, 
so the first three is a tribute to a female figure and it's supposed to challenge the traditional notions of femininity which is like her whole thing uh, this artist's whole thing so you've got radical hopelessness uh you've got shinobu twilight and beyond skin and so radical hopelessness is based on uh the pharaoh I'm not having a stroke. I don't know how to pronounce this fucking name. But anyway, that apparently this pharaoh insisted she be depicted as a male king. Cool. Um, The Shinobu Twilight is um, inspired by a lady named Fusaki Shiginobu, uh, which she founded the Japanese Red Army. I did not know that. I think that's kind of cool. And the third um, is not about anybody in particular just it encapsulates it quote encap encapsulates the experiences of every woman to have lived and will live end quote so that's just kind of conceptual i mean they are are kind of conceptual but that one's more so than the rest um so what do they what are these synth stories what do they have in them uh she says that they have narratives so for instance in shignobu uh she was in exile in lebanon and so uh, she says lebanon is known for its cedar so there are two different types of cedar in that fragrance this is the japanese red army lady um it also has uh top notes of yuzo shiso leaf black pepper and some what they call fresh herby smells might be marijuana I don't know. They don't go into detail. Um, So radical hopelessness. You have sandalwood and patchouli. Top notes. Those are the base. Top notes. You got pink pepper, juniper, and cardamom. That one sounds like it is a going to be a big smell. Very strong. Anything with patchouli. Patchouli's got to be done just right for me to get into. It can go just so wrong. It can smell like a dirty hippie, and it can smell sophisticated with done when done quite nicely. But it's just. It's so easy to just go into dirty hippie territory. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of very leery of anything with patchouli in it, especially when done by an artist. No offense to artists. My second husband, Noel Fielding, is also an artist. I'm just saying they are all creative types. And I could see someone just going all in, an artist creating a patchouli-based scent. I could see it being heavy on the patchouli. Sorry not sorry that is my opinion um anyway um the third one it has suede myrrh and rose and it's got plant and animal elements uh red seaweed and the secretion of a civet a cat-like creature native to indonesia i'd like to see i'd like to know how they are able to ethically uh source that not gonna not not trying to value virtue signal but i just wonder if it's from an animal i just wonder how they are able to source that or if it's synthetic and they're just leaving that part out uh but they say uh quote the result slightly sterile like old unused soap uh that does not make me want to buy this but I am curious to to see what it would be like. But I'm not gonna per- I'm not gonna spend money on some on some resin packaging with some fucking insects in it. If if it's like a sample size, hell no. I want that. I'm gonna if I'm gonna spend on a sample size, it's gonna be like twenty dollars for all three. 
Um, but yeah, but about this, this is that's beyond skin. So I went off on a tangent. That was beyond skin. And then her quote, very interesting. She said, she want she goes, I wanted to capture the mood of a startup that goes bankrupt. He said, it's an empty office floor and there's the smell of fried and frazzled electronics and cables and an emptiness and desolation. There's a nice balance of this industrial electronic with animal and plant. So I'm thinking the coppery smell of electrical wires going haywire with the stale smell of rotten plants that have been in office untended for way too long. No, I'm cynical. I just, things like this sound like they could be kind of gimmicky or they could be kind of cool. Like to me, my immediate thing, and to to her credit, she's not, these are only going to be limited run. I mean, she's hoping the biology collection is around for a while, but these particular fragrances are limited run. So she's not trying to mass produce these things to the general public. So I have to give her credit for that. Otherwise, I just think it sounds gimmicky. But the fact that she's not doing this on like a large scale, it's just like kind of small batches. I'm like, okay, she's definitely treating this as an art medium. Maybe I don't get it. Like I want something that's wearable, that smells nice. Um, But some people are into this. So you do you. uh, But that's what's going down. It doesn't say how much um, she is selling them for. Uh, They are going to be released through Dover Street Market. And I don't know where that is. So wherever the Observer is based out of, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it might be London. I don't know that for sure. Jolly old England. Um, Or it could be like someplace hipster like Portland. I don't know. Look it up for yourself. But that's her. So the second one is always fun when when people try to... uh, Steel perfume. It's um, officer suffers compound fracture while chasing perfume stealing suspects. This is CBS46.com. This is out of Georgia, Moro, Georgia. Um, people are searching, I guess police are searching for um, some suspects. Yeah, this is this is recent. So posted on October 24th. Uh, I guess some people hit up, stole thousands of dollars worth of perfume from Macy's. And police are still looking for them. Uh, There was an officer that got injured. He got a compound fracture to his right arm. I guess chasing down these suspects. What I want to know is they, I want to know how they're stealing perfume from Macy's because I am no stranger to the perfume counter. Most of the perfume is like behind a glass case. Like, yeah, you have the testers and stuff on the counter, the counters themselves, well, I guess you have in caps or like different, like in, in like the little um, displays in between the counters that have the um, like gift sets. I'm trying to think back. Last time I bought a perfume at like Macy's, I think they had to get, go and fetch it for me, but maybe not. But I know I think when I've gone in there, like you do have your gift sets. Maybe they just stole a, stole a bunch of gift sets from like the displays in between the counters or like when you first walk in. Um, but anyway, that article did not highlight the logistics of that robbery. Uh, why would they? They don't want to give people ideas. I'm just curious, not because I want to go rob Macy's. I'm just generally curious if these were like gift, just gift sets setting out in the open or if they were somehow finagled some behind the counter swipes. I don't know. Uh, that would be what I want um, to know. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the other one. Always fun when you get a perfume heist. Uh, 
Um, and now I'm getting all these like really weak retargeting. Anything that I have ever Googled, I'm getting retargeted. So <laughs> on the you may like at the bottom of this um, article, it's the pair of La Sportiva's trail shoes that I use for obstacle course running. I looked them up to give my dad some ideas because uh, he wants to get into it. And then Ed Hardy Hearts and Daggers, which as you know, we covered that um, last week. But anyway, those were the more interesting uh, things of fragrance in the news. If you want to know what this Versace detail is, the title is from Yahoo Lifestyle. Versace's new luxury fragrance line is like a Jennifer Lopez grown in a bottle. They don't mention J-Lo in the actual article, it's a big snooze fest. Like I said, they're just releasing some new perfume bottles. They're going to be sold for an exorbitant amount of money. But anyway, fragrance in the news, yay. All right, that's all we have for this week. Um, if you want to connect with me online, I'm most active on Instagram as that is the social uh, media platform that annoys me the least. I am at Snappy Scribe on there. I do have a blog, thesnappyscribe.com. I do not write about perfume. I write about other stuff going on in my life. If you want something to read and you are bored. I'm also on Facebook. I got a page at The Snappy Scribe. Um, so that wraps it up. Let me know what you're doing for Halloween. If you got any fun Halloween plans, whatever you're going to do this weekend, I hope you are being safe. I hope you're having fun, but most importantly, I hope you are smelling good. Bye. Pinot and Perfume is hosted and produced by yours truly, Sarah Chacon. Theme music is Around the Bend by Evan Schaefer.